0: This week, we wanted to take a minute to talk to you about Patreon. You guys probably hear us talking about it in every show when we thank our newest supporters. But what exactly is Patreon?
1: Patreon is an exclusive platform that allows fans to pay their favourite creators a monthly amount in exchange for exclusive access, extra content and much more.
0: When you sign up to our most popular tier, you gain access to a full-length bonus episode of Seeing Red, released on the last Friday of every month or thereabouts. You get access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, Crime Wave, in which we discuss topical true crime stories making the news. But that's not all. You also get access to our True Crime Book Club, which meets virtually every three months, and entry into our exclusive competitions.
1: There's loads of other benefits too, like early release ad and sponsor-free episodes of Seeing Red, access to our monthly blog posts and a mid and end of season roundup of the show. And all of this costs less than the price of a pint of beer. For just £3.50 a month, not only do you get all of this extra content, but you also get an exclusive Seeing Red postcard signed by us.
0: There's no minimum commitment and all of the bonus content can be streamed through the Patreon app so you can listen anytime, anyplace. And some podcast providers such as Apple Podcasts allow you to stream the bonus content through their platform so you listen to it in the same way that you would listen to our weekly episode
1: it takes just two minutes to sign up on patreon and when you do you'll find that you've opened yourself up to a whole new world of seeing red head over to patreon.com forward slash seeing red podcast there is also a direct link in the show notes so that's patreon.com forward slash seeing Red podcast
0: Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast. I'm Mark.
1: And I'm Bethan. And welcome back, guys. I love how you've put here, Mark, we are racing towards the end of season seven. And we really are. I can't believe we're in June already.
0: Yeah, honestly, it's weird, isn't it? The thing for me, season seven actually feels like it's been going on for about two years. But now, now that I think this is episode 22 or 21 at least, it's weird now. We're finally nearing the end of it. Uh, but it's, it's taken a long time to get to this point. But now, yeah, it's racing away. Uh, absolutely. Um, and did you see our mention in Crime Monthly magazine? Back oh, then? I did.
1: It's so exciting. It was a whole page talking about the case that we covered, which was major, really massive. And the fact that on the front cover, when they do their little teaser of what's inside, the words seeing red.
0: I know. It was weird, wasn't it? I mean, that's so a great exciting. magazine. Uh, we, we've bought it periodically. We gave away a subscription in a Patreon competition a, a year or so ago. Um, so it, it's a great crime magazine. Um, so to be featured in it uh, so heavily was, was amazing, wasn't it? And it was a surprise. We didn't know.
1: No, until one of our listeners literally told us, by the way, guys, look at this. Bit awkward that it wasn't an episode you were in. Um, I know. But it was my friend Steph, so that was fun.
0: Yeah, it was great that Steph got a mention. Uh, they mentioned some other episodes and some of those episodes were written by, uh, a collaborator, Elliot. Uh, so it was great for him to, uh, for a couple of his episodes to get mentioned too. So, um, so yeah, really pleasing to see. And, um, and yeah, I, I just wanted to also say we will be at CrimeCon in a few days time. So. Uh, We're there on Saturday, the 11th of June, uh, all day. If you are going to be there, then you will see us on podcast row. Uh, Please come up and say hi. And
1: if you're going to be there, next week's episode on the main show is going to be one that we record while we're there. So do come down to the podcast row live recording session because you can then maybe hear your own chuckles in the background or gasps in the background when we're recording.
0: So let's uh, just take a moment to thank our most recent Patreon supporters, and then we will commence today's episode. So they are, did you want to read them, Bethan?
1: Oh, yes, please. So, thank you very much to Sam Collins, Hayley Irving, Amy Barnard, I knew I'd say someone's name wrong, but actually I didn't say it wrong, and then I've doubted myself. It's like Barnard Castle, Barnard Castle, Oh, but you make me feel guilty, because then I might say something wrong, and then it's these people's names mark i'm going to start again so we've got sam collins hayley irving amy barnard mick stella laura tammy bowden rob ford and mary oakley who increased her pledge thank you guys
0: yeah thank you to all of you uh so this week's episode sees us delve into a domestic murder case which made waves throughout the uk and europe in recent months The sad story of how Caroline Crouch met her tragic end touched a nerve with millions of people worldwide, not just because she was a 20-year-old mother who was cruelly robbed of a promising future, but also because of the callous and barbaric manner in which her life came to an end. This case is also a tribute to the hard work, endless determination and high-quality detective work demonstrated by the Greek police that would eventually see justice prevail. The story begins in Athens, the ancient capital city of Greece and arguably one of the most historically significant locations in the entire world. Athens is known to be the birthplace of democracy and the idea that all citizens would have a voice in governing their society. It also houses many historical landmarks such as temples and theatres, which were made by ancient architects during the classical period. The city is of course popular with tourists. Not only is there an abundance of things to see and do there, it's also widely considered to be a very safe city. The rate of petty crime in the city, so pickpocketing, petty theft, the kind of stuff Bethan gets up to on weekends, is moderate at worst, but nothing out of the ordinary when compared to any other city in Europe. The rate of violent crime in Athens, however, is especially low, violent crime is mostly unheard of there, save for some very isolated incidents, which tend to be few and far between.
1: This really reminds me of when I covered the Japanese case and I was looking at Japan and the fact that they have such a low crime rate and it's so unusual to us being in a a place where lots of the cities have a lot of crime and thinking about cases from America where it's just crazy and It's always really interesting, isn't it, when it's a city where they don't have very much, are they going to be able to police well because of that, because they've got more time and resources, or are they not going to be able to police as well because they've never come across it before? It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't know the answer to that because, I mean, they did a great job in in this instance. But yeah, I I always kind of think with a police force, if they're not used to dealing with murders and and really high profile crimes, it, it must be really tough for them to uh use the limited experience that they have to, to bring uh, justice a- about but um, this is a great example where where the police worked tirelessly to to get justice for Caroline and um the the other thing I wanted to say is really the the downfall of the perpetrator in this case was the fact that Athens has such a low crime rate and these kind of crimes are just so rare um, so alarm bells rang from the very beginning in terms of the version of events that the perpetrator had. Had so, this Mediterranean city's residents and tourists alike get to enjoy a relatively happy, peaceful, and trouble-free existence. So the police were understandably very concerned and puzzled when they received a troubling call in the early hours of a spring morning that could turn the city's illusion of safety on its head. Just after six o'clock on the morning of Tuesday, May the eleventh, twenty twenty-one, a desperate call was made to the emergency services. The caller was male and as soon as the call was connected to a dispatch operator, the man began to loudly cry and plead almost incoherently down the phone, begging repeatedly for help. The operator tried for some time to get the frantic caller to calm down and explain the situation. However, it was clear to her that the call, which has since been made public, was a genuine emergency and that the man who had called them had been involved in something unimaginably traumatic. The caller was too distraught to get his thoughts and words together in a way that made any sense and the only coherent sentence he could produce in that moment was Robbers came in, before he regressed to loud panicked sobs interspersed with cries for help. The operator was able to trace the call to an address in Glyconera, a coastal suburb in the northeastern part of the city and several police responders quickly raced to the scene. Several available police units arrived quickly at the address, which was a luxurious three-story sea-view maisonette in a very affluent part of town. Whoever lived here was clearly very wealthy. The police banged on the door but got no answer. Concerned for the welfare of anyone inside, they took the decision to go in anyway. Upon entering the property, the Greek officers were met with a heartbreaking scene. The first thing they saw was a small husky puppy with its own collar and lead tied around its neck, hanging dead from the stairway banister.
1: God, that's like something out of a movie or something. That is so horrible and sinister, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and, and worse is to come, but just to immediately be greeted with that scene, I just you just could never have imagined that you would open the front door and see something as barbaric as that that's just something you wouldn't imagine ever coming across in your whole life it's just it's weird for want of a better word it's just not something that people do um but but yeah here is a a seven month old husky puppy um hung from the the stairway banister by its own lead um an appalling scene to to be presented with So, apart from this dead puppy, the house appeared normal and the ground floor was deserted. Sensing a sinister presence in the house, the police drew their firearms and made their way upstairs. In the loft bedroom on the second floor of the property, they discovered a 33-year-old man who had been partially gagged, blindfolded, handcuffed and tied securely to a chair. He was alive but deeply distressed and pleading to be set free. On the bed, a fully clothed, 20-year-old woman lay face down, emotionless, with her hands bound behind her back with thick tape. On the bed next to the apparently unconscious young woman, an 11-month-old baby was crying, clearly in great distress, using her tiny hands to slap at her mother's head and body, trying desperately to wake her up. However, the woman wasn't going to wake up. Tragically, she was dead.
1: Oh my god, there's just scene upon scene of of like a snapshot of just unimaginable horror this is awful
0: and as we said at the beginning of the episode for a police department that aren't really used to dealing with this kind of stuff so um, those scenes will live with them forever absolutely the police did a sweep of the house and made certain that nobody else was present then they untied the man from the chair The man was clearly traumatised and under extreme stress, and it took a long time for him to calm down. Eventually, he was able to identify himself as Babis Ananastopoulos, a 33-year-old helicopter pilot from Athens. The dead woman on the bed was his British wife, Caroline Crouch, and the 11-month-old baby was their daughter, Lydia. Babis explained to the first responders that at about 1.30am, three armed robbers wearing masks had broken into their home as they slept and attacked them. According to Babis, the robbers had apprehended him first before tying him to the chair in the bedroom. Then they tied up Caroline and forced her to lie face down on the bed whilst holding a loaded gun to little Lydia's head, all the while demanding to know where Babis kept his money. The robbers spoke to Babis in Greek, but when they spoke amongst themselves, they used a foreign language. Babis was unable to recognise exactly which language they'd been speaking in, but he suggested that it could possibly be Albanian or Georgian. According to him, the robbers seemed to be fully aware that Babis was in possession of a significant sum of money that was in his house, and he theorised that someone may have observed him make a bank withdrawal earlier that day and subsequently tipped this gang off. Babis and Caroline had recently purchased a plot of land nearby for development and Babis had withdrawn the cash to pay some of the workers. The robbers were said to be brutal and callous in their methods, not only threatening to murder little Lydia but they also cruelly took the family puppy and hung him from the stairway banister as we mentioned to demonstrate that they were perfectly capable of killing. The cruelest twist of all, however, was that even after Babis had given them the location of the money and then begged them not to hurt his family, one of the robbers had laughed and smothered Caroline to death with a pillow. Speaking later to media, Babis could not hold back his anguish as he recounted being tied to a chair with tape around his eyes and neck, hearing his wife struggle and fight desperately for her life, but being powerless to do anything to save her. The heartbreaking events were further intensified when it was revealed that Caroline had been killed just inches away from their 11-month-old daughter, who was wide awake and screaming for the duration.
1: That's just, I don't know, that's just um, somehow worse, and I don't know why, but just somehow just makes it even more horrible.
0: Yeah, the the, the trauma, even at 11 months, even though Mm -hmm. Lydia might not be, be capable of remembering that at 11 months of course she wouldn't it's the trauma of that is gonna live with her and yeah potentially absolutely. potentially cause lots of issues in later life um it's just yeah it's just something that you it's just unbearable to imagine uh those mm-hmm. those minutes where babis was tied to the chair and caroline's being smothered to death and little lydia's and like everything next else to
1: her. with this case this poor child is just i don't know how you come out the other side even though you won't be young you're too young to really remember like you said yeah i mean yeah just everything in this whole case is just horrific
0: it reminds me a little bit of the Owl hilly family uh the family that were murdered yeah. near lake annecy in france um, and there were two young girls weren't there so um they were much older than lydia um, but they witnessed their parents and their grandmother being murdered by a hitman. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of them was pistol whipped, wasn't she? Really badly. And the casing of the gun came off. Uh, she was hit that hard and she, she wasn't able to remember anything from the attack. But again, you know, bits might come back in later life to, to haunt her. So Babis went on to tell police how he eventually could no longer hear his wife's cries. So obviously after minutes of being suffocated she'd died and he then eventually lost consciousness. When he woke up the robbers were gone, Lydia was still screaming and Caroline was dead. Babis claimed that he could see just a tiny bit out of the bottom of the blindfold and was able to shuffle his way over to his mobile phone before using his nose to dial the last number in his call log, which just happened to be one of his neighbours. As his mouth was still gagged, all he could manage was a muffled scream down the line until the confused neighbour came to check on him and thus discovered the pure carnage upstairs.
1: Ah, and it was sorry, it was that neighbour that then made the phone call.
0: Well, I think um, I think the neighbour sort of untied Babis and then Babis made the phone call uh, oh, to the okay. police, I think. I it's not overly clear. I can remember. Yeah, yeah, it's not overly clear, but, uh, but yeah, he was untied and then either he or the neighbour made that call, but I think it was Babis. Over the course of the 37 days that followed, the distraught pilot tried to cooperate fully with the police to help them catch his wife's killers. He also spoke occasionally to the media telling them how he had begged for their lives as the thieves pointed a pistol at his daughter Lydia's head whilst demanding money. Through bitter tears, he said he hoped no family had to experience the same ordeal. On May the 16th in 2021, Babis took to Instagram to share a photo of himself with Caroline walking along a beach on their wedding day. In the caption he wrote in Greek, Together forever, have a nice trip my love. As mentioned earlier, Athens has long enjoyed relatively low levels of crime. Home invasions, especially ones which involve murder, are exceptionally rare there. So naturally, this crime deeply outraged the Greek population, who denounced the people who had targeted the family as being truly heartless and evil, and demanded they be brought to justice. Caroline Crouch was born in Liverpool in 2001 and moved to Greece at the age of 8 with her British father David Crouch and her Filipina mother Susan de la Cuesta. She was raised in Alonissos, a picture perfect Greek island in the Asian Sea. She was just 15 years old when she first met Babis, the man who would eventually become a husband, despite being more than 13 years her senior after a chance encounter. Babis had family who owned properties on the island, and after meeting Caroline, he began visiting them more and more as a means of also seeing her. Now, despite Caroline being questionably young, not to mention this very large age gap between them, the couple soon began dating. Caroline was just 18 when the pair got married, and almost immediately she fell pregnant with their daughter Lydia. By all accounts, Caroline loved being a mother, and was said to be completely besotted with Lydia. Caroline was described by those who knew her best as caring and compassionate but also as a feisty woman. She held a black belt in kickboxing and rarely allowed anyone to take advantage of her but she had a softer side too. She adored animals and had adopted this abandoned husky puppy who she named Roxy. She also adopted several cats. At the time of her death she was just 20 years old as I said.
1: I don't know why, but I didn't realise quite how young she was. I
0: know, I remember... Isn't that
1: interesting? Like, I don't know why that didn't stick in my head of how very young she was.
0: Yeah, I remember when this came out a year ago. Yeah, that was my overriding thought. Like, she's just so young. She's a mum, she's married, she's got this kind of normal grown-up life. And yeah, she was 20 years old. She was born in 2001. It's madness. It's madness. The residents of Alonissos, who form a very close-knit community, were deeply devastated by Caroline's death. So that's her home town, basically, where she moved to at the age of eight. Speaking to the media in the aftermath of the killing, Petros Vafinis, the mayor of the island, choked back tears, as he said. They were so happy, so in love. The shock in our little community is immense. As news of the tragic murder continued to spread like wildfire throughout the media in Greece, Europe and Caroline's home country of the UK, nobody could get over the sheer cruelty and callousness of the killing. Murdering a young woman in cold blood in front of her family was a level of cruelty that few could fully comprehend. Even the most experienced and seasoned police officers were stunned by the unbelievable circumstances surrounding Caroline's death. And that, for Babis would soon become the problem. Based entirely off of Babis's timeline of events and descriptions of his mass attackers, detectives believed that they were hunting for at least three men, very likely to be of Albanian or Georgian nationality, two of whom were described as medium height and build, and one shorter and fatter. Each room of Babiseer's and Caroline's property was covered almost entirely by CCTV cameras, so of course the police's first course of action was to try and salvage any of that footage. However, it was soon revealed that one of the robbers had smashed all of the cameras inside and outside of the property and then removed all of the memory cards. They had clearly taken great care not to leave any digital trace of their presence in the house that night. With the camera line of inquiry soon abandoned, the police began looking instead at the whereabouts of the city's most prolific violent criminals on the night and morning of May 11th. And through this line of inquiry, towards the end of May, the police arrested a Georgian immigrant in Athens who had a history of violent burglaries. The police discovered that this man had tried and failed to leave the country on a fake passport not long after Caroline's murder had taken place. The man was said to be part of a violent gang of home invaders who had previously subjected their victims to beatings and even torture. He was questioned extensively however the police failed to link him to the crime and he was eventually released without charge. The frustrated investigator's luck didn't improve much further when they checked DNA samples from skin found under Caroline's fingernails, presumably gathered from her clawing at her killer as she was strangled. These results came back as inconclusive.
1: That is so frustrating.
0: So frustrating because, yeah, of course, she'd be fighting for her life on that bed and you would do anything. You would be clawing at their face. So um unusual for that to come back as inconclusive because there would have been in theory, quite a bit of skin under her fingernails. Undeterred, forensic investigators painstakingly searched every inch of every room in the house for further DNA, but they found no further trace of anyone ever having been in the property, except for the family. And of course, this puzzled the investigators. It was logical to expect that during a home invasion and a murder perpetrated by not one but three individuals, that at least one of them would have left something behind somewhere. However, that wasn't the case. It was almost as if the intruders had found the time to bleach and scrub the entire house before they'd left.
1: But then, also, that's then very, like, unusual that you'd still find traces of the people who lived there, because surely you'd find no traces whatsoever.
0: And visitors as well, there'd be legitimate visitors to that property, so it was too clean, the property was too clean. Mm -hmm. Under immense pressure from the outraged and panicked residents of Athens, the police desperately searched for new leads that could carry the investigation closer to a conclusion, but the trail was quickly going cold. The Greek authorities even put up a cash reward of £300,000 for any person who could provide the police with any information that would lead to a successful conviction. Despite a high number of subsequent public tip-offs, none of them contained anything of value and the police failed to make any progress whatsoever. Throughout this entire investigation, Babis was constantly in and out of the police station trying to help the police with their inquiries as they pressed him for more details and scrutinised his timeline. When they asked about his marriage, Babis painted a picture of Love's young dream, insisting that he and Caroline were happy and in love with one another. However, what Babis didn't know then was that his wife had been keeping a diary which was discovered at the crime scene, and its contents was carefully analysed by police. Caroline's description of her marriage to Babis was a far cry from the picture-perfect relationship that he had outlined to them.
1: Good for her, writing this and keeping it secret. Like, well done.
0: And it coming from beyond the grave as well.
1: Mm. I mean, it's sad that it had to come to that, but I'm so glad that she did this.
0: Yeah. And also, I suppose going back to her being just 20, it does kind of show a level of immaturity, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful sense, but... It's kind of a teenage thing to do, but just five years before she died, she was a 15-year-old girl. Um So despite appearances of being married and this child and successful, um, you know, yeah, she was just 20 years old. So within Caroline's diary, page after page, she'd written of her misery at the hands of Babis, who was, according to her, controlling, manipulative and violent. In December 2019, for example, she wrote... I fought with Babby again. This time it was serious. I hit him, I cursed at him, and he broke down the door. All I wanted was for him to ask how I am when I wake up. I woke up so weak and tired. I'm thinking of leaving. I'm thinking of going to my sister. I don't know if I can keep going with Babby. I love him so much that I can't leave him, even though this relationship hurts me. So she's this really tortured soul, isn't she?
1: You just hear of and see so often but you generally don't then find like we don't find out until it's far too late and it's just so so horrendous this whole like but i love him so much and he just i you just wish you could just step into the the person's home and just take them by the hand and say to them like walk away now and in five years time you will realize that you don't love him and it's not love but in that moment they can't see what everyone else could see
0: It's so complex, isn't it? And, you know, she was clearly terrified of him and she claimed in this diary that he would often physically stop her from leaving the house and she'd she put in there also that he'd installed a tracing app on her phone and then he even accompanied her to her own therapy sessions so that he could listen in, um, which is a gross breach of trust in a relationship. And if you... I put a picture at the, the top of our notes for this um of caroline and babis and uh, you know i know it's um it's such a shallow thing to say but they're such a good looking couple and they just look so normal and respectable you would never think this was going on behind closed doors um you really wouldn't they just looked they genuinely did look like love's young dream they really did
1: and that looks like potentially a wedding photo of their wedding and they just look so happy and it's just really sad isn't it
0: yeah incredibly sad It was also revealed that Caroline had been searching for an apartment in central Athens for her and baby Lydia so that she could finally be free of Babis for good. And I think she'd really made some waves with that so she'd finally got to that point of making a plan to actually leave him. And you might think that these damning revelations were what prompted the police to start taking a closer look at Babis but that wouldn't be true. As would be later revealed by the Greek media, it was said that the first police detectives on the scene had serious misgivings about the crime scene within moments of showing up there. To them, very little about the scene added up. The most obvious problem was that the robbers had supposedly cold-bloodedly murdered Caroline and the family dog, but for some inexplicable reason left Babis and Lydia alive and unscathed. This, as the detectives theorised, was completely atypical of how home invasion-related murders usually play out. Indeed, in most cases, once a murder has been committed during a home invasion, it's extremely unusual for any witnesses to be left alive. Because, like, I get it, why stop at just one murder and leave a witness behind who could blow your cover? So, And
1: also, taking out the um, like, sorry to be a bit stereotypical, but to take out the weaker of the couple (laughs) than the man, like that seems very strange as well. You've you've restrained the man, but you've killed the woman and then you've left him and it just feels you've left, like you said, the witness. I feel like you'd you'd do something to the man and then use the woman like you'd use what you've done to the man to make the woman comply or something. So And it's interesting, isn't it? Straight away those police detectives are kind of like, none of this makes any sense. And yet yeah. they haven't got the experience. Like fair play to them.
0: Yeah. And the, the, the you know, throughout this investigation into Caroline's murder, they're they're sort of um suspicious of Babis, obviously. Uh, from the outset they've been suspicious, but uh but this diary, yeah, that's um it's just further fuel to the fire. So they they really start honing in on him. Um so we talked about this kind of thing before, this um, faking of a crime scene, and um, we mentioned it in a well-known 2010 Canadian case that we covered, uh, I don't know, I'd say a year or so ago, and that was of 21-year-old college student Jennifer Pan, and she'd paid a local a local gang, uh, to storm her family home and murder both of her parents under the premise of a home invasion. And this was kind of similar because she was tied to a banister in the home but left alive and unscathed while both of her parents were shot. Um, they were shot in the head and, yeah, detectives were kind of exactly the same here. They were like, well, they've really left a witness. They've killed your mom and dad and they've left you and you've witnessed all of this. That's just not how it works.
1: I can understand leaving the baby because yeah, I, I think it would that. take a very, very cruel person to be able to kill the baby. So um I could understand if this was a real home invasion that has gone wrong that you leave the baby alive. But the man, no.
0: No, I'm completely with you. The other issue with Babis' story was the distinct lack of damage or even any kind of disturbance that had been inflicted on the house and the property hadn't been ransacked and some of the rooms appeared to be completely untouched. Oh yeah, that's just bizarre. Uh, totally, very few of the most obvious places to look for valuables, so drawers, cupboards, etc., hadn't been touched, and the ones that had been opened and searched had been the ones which, rather conveniently, had contained the valuables that had been allegedly stolen. So it almost seemed as though the robbers had been really lucky, found exactly what they'd been searching for within moments of beginning that search. I guess and his also, the
1: story was that they'd asked where things were, so well, I suppose. I did he could say that but yeah you'd still be ram you'd still be rummaging and looking
0: well i think that the point is as well you know they're allegedly after this sum of cash but then they're, they're this is a wealthy couple there's going to be nice watches and stuff so what why was nothing else hunted for and stolen that that is a concern for the police So the distinct lack of DNA evidence at the scene also made things appear bizarre. So to police, the scene just looked too perfect, basically. It was too void of evidence. And from the very beginning, several detectives believed that it looked as though this had been staged. And it so happened the police were not alone in their suspicions. Babis had played the part of grieving Widower exceptionally well and his interactions with the media had been carefully curated to tell the Greek people exactly what they wanted to hear. So this is a sort of interesting twist in this case really because there was racial tension between resident greeks and the city's albanian immigrants at this time and and that tension was really high and babis rather cruelly capitalized on that tension to make his story seem more believable and relatable Mm. on social media this high profile case received a lot of attention and the general stance on the matter, amongst the public, so not detectives because they were suspicious of Babis at this point, but amongst the general population of Greece, it was kind of like you were on one of two sides. So you, there was one side where there was an outpouring of sorrow and sympathy for Babis, that the tragedy had befallen him, and well-wishers openly sent messages of love and tenderness to him. And on the other side, there was widespread outrage that this was basically an Albanian gang that had done this, and they these people... People, these right-wing people highlighted the dangers of mass immigration and they demanded immediate government reform on, on this issue, which I just thought was so cruel because it wasn't an Albanian gang, as we'll come on to, as you probably realised, or if you're familiar with this case, you'll know. Um, but I just thought it was so cruel of him to pick at the Albanian immigrants in Greece and to blame them and to cause this sort of widespread hatred of them. Um, I just thought it was cruel.
1: Yeah, I think, um, we could see this happening in our society now if something was to go on, and there's always going to be somebody who makes a good scapegoat. And it's, it's horrendous when not only does that person or the people make a good scapegoat, you then also further and fuel racial tension with it making an entire Nationality or an entire group of people or an entire race, the scapegoat, and that is just yeah, I think cruel is a great way to put it because even if you then find out the truth, are you going to be able to change emotions yeah. that people have started to feel? No
0: yeah, I agree, um of course, there was another smaller pocket of social media users who were able to think logically and without political agenda those who dared to verbalise what the police were secretly already considering, that Babis did all of this himself.
1: The true crime fan community, because a lot of us basically were like, hmm, shall we look at him a bit more?
0: Well, I remember it because he was sort of, um, parading himself around media, wasn't he? In the wake mm-hmm. of Caroline's murder. He'd not been arrested. He wasn't on bail. He was a free man. He, as far as we were aware, he wasn't under any suspicion by the police. And, uh, you know, he was just this dad that had been through this awful tragedy. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, certainly me and you and, and probably lots of our listeners, uh, had other feelings that, that he was the perpetrator for sure. And we were proved right, of course. Um, So yeah, he did murder Caroline. Although the police weren't openly uh, casting any kind of suspicion in the direction of Babis at this point, they did share the sentiment that he had a lot to hide and they just needed to prove it. So thanks to some very professional and innovative detective work, it didn't take them long to gather the proof that they so desperately needed to nail this bastard. Ironically, the piece of evidence that would finally nail Babis and eventually prompt him to make a full confession was probably the most subtle and easiest to overlook.
1: Um, Absolutely. I remember when this came out just being like, oh my God, fair play. Like, yeah. it's just, it's like something out of a story.
0: It's like something out of an episode of Columbo. Yeah. It really is. It really like, I was. Just...
1: It's amazing.
0: Classic detective work and mm-hmm. I think I'll come on to explain obviously in a moment but as we get more and more used to technology more dependent on it and more familiar with it and what it can do uh, if you are somebody who is is looking to carry out a murder you need to really start to um, factor in some of these things and and think how you can counter that um i think it's really interesting because it's usually technology that nails people now Mm -hmm. um as was the case here so on the night of her death caroline was wearing a fitbit and that's if you're not aware it's an activity tracker worn on the wrist just like a watch and it tracks your day-to-day activity so whether you're walking running swimming cycling working out at the gym Um, I was going to say some other stuff. Um, But depending on the type of, depending on the type of Fitbit that you go for, uh, some can also track your heart rate, your sleep, your menstrual cycle. And that all kind of um, builds up to give a a picture of your overall health and some fitbits can even detect the type of exercise that you're doing so whether that's swimming cycling yeah and um, they offer then optimized tracking so it's a really smart bit of kit and it's popular with people who enjoy physical exercise hence why i don't have one and you do so of course fitbits are designed to collect store and analyze data for the user to refer to later So, Caroline's state of health was being constantly tracked, analysed and recorded to a biometric server throughout her entire ordeal, right up until the very moment she died. The detectives had some engineers access Caroline's Fitbit data to check if her time of death was consistent with Babis' story, and it was here that their overriding suspicions were validated. The biometric data taken from Caroline's Fitbit revealed that her heart had stopped beating more than an hour before the time that Babis had initially alleged. The data that tracked her heartbeat and blood pressure also painted a grim picture of her heart rate spiking through the roof for an agonizing six minutes as she presumably tried in vain to fight off her assailant. And this was followed by a sharp decline in her vital signs as the killer choked the life out of her.
1: I think that's really horrible because we. Oh, yeah. I think we like to hope and we would pray that somebody had a nice not nice sorry that's the wrong word but like had a quick and painless death and that's always the hope is that they didn't suffer and that it was as peaceful as possible so to then have that information cold hard facts is oh horrible it's really sad i
0: mean to think to yeah i i sort of don't want to to confront it but We've got that data there. There's six minutes of her heart rate going through the roof. So, for six solid minutes, she is aware what's happening. She's probably blindfolded, but she knows there's a pillow over her face and she's struggling to breathe. And it's taken a long time for the intended consequences to come about. Um, yeah, it's just an, the whole time Lydia was probably screaming on the bed. I don't know. Um, it's just heartbreaking. The entire murder had been perfectly recorded in numerical format and it proved definitively that Babis had lied about Caroline's time of death. And this inconsistency, as small as it was, was enough to raise eyebrows amongst the police because Babis had previously been very certain about details like this, about the time of death, and it also gave weight to the theory that if Babis was truly responsible, this hidden window of time would have afforded him adequate time to stage the murder scene and make it look like a robbery. To make matters even worse for Babis, data retrieved from an accurate location tracker app on his mobile phone showed that he'd been moving around his home for much of the night and early morning, even after the robbers had supposedly invaded. And further data from Babis' phone also revealed that he'd been active on WhatsApp at a time when he was supposedly tied up and subdued. I mean, that's fucking stupid, isn't it? The, the Fitbit absolutely stuff stupid. And, but, like, don't go on WhatsApp. Don't use your phone. Don't have it on you because it's going to track that you're moving. Even the most basic technology-minded people would know that. Um, so, you know, real rookie mistake here on Babis' part. So this detail disproved his earlier claim that he'd been tied down and left hopeless by the intruders for the entire time. And just like that, thanks to everyday technology that we rarely even think about, the police finally had enough circumstantial and otherwise evidence to arrest Babis on suspicion that he had murdered Caroline in front of their infant daughter. The police were eager to question Babis immediately, but at that time he was at Caroline's memorial service at a chapel on her home island of Alonissos. The police rushed to the island by helicopter, but by the time they got there the service had already started and they didn't want to upset Caroline's family by storming in and making a scene, so they patiently waited outside, constantly keeping an eye on Babis as the service progressed. As they watched from the outside, the police officers could only shake their heads in disbelief as Babis, who had no idea the police were waiting outside the church to arrest him, continued to play the part of the grieving widower, crying, praying and even tenderly hugging Caroline's heartbroken mother when she became overwhelmed with emotion. Honestly, absolute psychopath. I
1: mean, I also, what else is he going to do? But, but just, just sit quietly in the corner Don't start doing all these fricking displays of sorrow and touching her mum. Like, don't hug her mum. Like, oh, horrible You could say that
0: you were overcome with emotion and and couldn't provide emotional support to anyone else. You didn't have to play that part quite so well.
1: Probably loving that you can play the part.
0: Probably. So Babis was discreetly apprehended the moment he set foot outside of that church. And to avoid a scene that would potentially cause a lot of emotional turmoil to Caroline's family in attendance, Babis was only told that a suspect had been identified in the murder investigation. He wasn't told that suspect was him. Um, And he was told that it was necessary for him to accompany them back to Athens immediately. So he was then taken back to the city by helicopter for questioning. Very glamorous. That's
1: really clever. I like that they've done that. I doubt it was a glamorous way to go, Mark. It's not No, me. I
0: suppose. I suppose. <laughs> Beats getting in the back of a Ford Cortina, doesn't True. it? True. Um, what followed was several hours of intense, relentless interrogation by detectives who confronted and grilled Babis endlessly regarding this geometrical data from Caroline's Fitbit and the location data from his phone, both of which proved that this home invasion story was bullshit. Babis I hope they made, said it that way as well. It's just of bullshit, Of course they mate. did. Well, they probably did because it. To be fair, they probably
1: shit. did because they're police officers. So. Yeah.
0: Babbis made attempt after attempt to explain away the evidence, but his responses to the detectives' brutally direct questions were convoluted and just full of inconsistencies. He couldn't come up with a good enough excuse to explain away this data on the Fitbit and on his phone. How could you? So, completely caught off guard, exhausted by the intense pressure of the interrogation, and with nowhere else to turn at this point, Babis was all out of lies. He eventually broke down and made a full and detailed confession. According to police, Babis admitted, That night we'd been arguing from early on. At some point she threw the child in a cot and she told me to get up and leave the house. Babis went on to describe how Caroline told him she was going to leave him for good and take Lydia with her. My judgement became blurred, Babis said. I strangled her and then I staged the robbery. Babis then told the officers everything they wanted to know. How he strangled Caroline to death as his terrified infant daughter screamed just inches away from them. How he callously drowned and then hung the family's puppy from the banister. And then of how he tried his best to stage a crime scene and tie himself up to make it look as though thieves had raided the home and killed his wife. Nothing was held back. In his testimony to police, Babis said, I thought of making one last attempt so that Lydia might at least grow up with a father. I thought of disposing of Caroline's body, but it was impossible for me to do so. Just looking at her, I cried. The next thing I thought was to say that someone else did it. I would tell the police that robbers entered the house. I was in a panic. I didn't know what to do. I thought that in order to look more plausible and to believe that rogue robbers had entered, I would have to hurt the dog. No one would have thought that I could harm a dog. With heartache, I hung the dog on the railings of the stairs. Such a cruel fucker.
1: I'm really glad that this gave him, like, that he couldn't go and dispose of her body because it made him so upset. And I'm glad that he said he had heartache and stuff because it's, like, I want him to suffer even just a small amount.
0: And and I genuinely think as easy as it would be to label him a sociopath or a psychopath, which there might be elements of that, this is clearly someone who does have feelings. And I do believe him when he said that he hung the dog with heartache. And I kind of understand the motive of, of killing the dog. If he if the dog was dead at this crime scene, then no one's ever going to point the finger at him because they'd never think him capable of killing a dog. Um, So I kind of get it. But yeah, I I think that will haunt him for the rest of his days. And of course, obviously, um, more so the the way that he murdered his wife and the fact
1: that he murdered her. And I do also think when it's a situation like this where somebody... I mean, obviously, we know with their situation, he was abusive prior. We know that this is not just a one instinct and he's seen red and gone mad. This is, you know, he's clearly a violent person, but he's gone further than he's ever gone before. He's never, he's clearly never done this before. And actually, I think he probably did think to himself, my child can't grow up without a mother and a father. I've done this. I need to get away with it somehow. He's also the type of person he is, clearly very narcissistic, is gonna want to have, um, you know, to take all the blame away from himself and not have to deal with the consequences. But I do think there's a big element of truth there that he it happened and then he just sat there and went fuck how am I going to get around this how am I going to get out of this and so the actions afterwards I genuinely think are of someone reasonably not remorseful but devastated by what they've done
0: yeah I get it I
1: hope that he really yeah is like haunted by the memory of everything he's done I really hope he is forever
0: I honestly completely agree. I think you're right. I think, I think he saw red. He snapped and, uh, killed Caroline and then came out of that and thought, fuck, what have I done? And yeah, did everything he, he possibly could do. He must have considered it, you know, pretty early on, uh, about disposing of Caroline's body, but just couldn't bring himself to do that. Mm-hmm. And then staged this crime scene as a, a last ditch attempt to get away with this. Um, I have no sympathy for him, but I can sort of understand that not, no two killers are the same, are they? So I I do, I do understand that he could have snapped at this point and not, not of Caroline's volition at all. Um, but I do think it was probably a bit of a toxic relationship. But I also thought it was really cruel how he how he blamed Caroline and said that she threw the baby in her cot because I doubt Caroline threw Lydia in her cot. She would have placed her there, but he's saying, yeah. uh, you know, she threw the baby. That's just bollocks to paint it's her like,
1: as... Even if she'd put the baby, even if she had thrown the baby into the cot, he's gone and got that baby back out.
0: And it's driven her to it. It's driven to yeah. it. But I, I don't believe him.
1: No, I don't believe it either. I think she will have put the baby down and then stormed back over to him. Yeah. But he's yeah. then somehow brought that baby back over and has has then also been such a heartless evil prick to the baby as well. Not only is that mother having to hear her baby, but the baby is witnessing whilst luckily I think like we said before, the baby won't remember specifically, but they'll have the memory, the muscle memory of like the unconscious emotions.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, I know you're sort of like very well read on, uh, you know, I hate to use the term rearing a child, but you know, like when, <laughs> you know when like uh, when babies, you know, at the very sort of early on at different yeah. stages three months, six months, et cetera, they're, they're sort of learning and absorbing so much subconsciously and consciously, um, which will really start to form their character in later life. And it's, you know, that da- damage has been done there, even yeah, with 11 month old Lydia.
1: When you look at abused babies and you look at um, like children where they have been abandoned and especially when they've been abandoned in a very violent situation in a very very violent setting they then go mute they go silent they don't cry because crying is an is a reaction that they should do to get attention and it's it's the right way to communicate and if you find parents who ignore crying and ignore their babies and they don't tend to their needs they become emotionally detached and it's amazing that at such a tiny age so much of the brain is being formed ready for your adult attachments your adult life so much of yeah. what your parents do in those early couple of years makes a huge difference forever yeah child rearing <laughs> it's the right child term rearing. though it is the correct term i think it but is
0: but it, it makes it sound like it it's an hilarious. animal which it isn't um so yeah, the other thing I just wanted, before we kind of wrap things up, I just, you know, I know it's awful to have to confront this as well, but, I, you know, drowning that puppy and I just, I can't really get that image out of my head and how long that actually took and the sounds that that desperate puppy was was making as it fought for its life. It's just, I mean, I could cry at all of this. It's mm-hmm. just barbaric.
1: Yeah. There's one thing to have an abusive spouse who flips out and it goes wrong like the abuse turns fatal there's that's one thing that's horrendous that's enough but his actions in trying to cover up this crime just beyond belief aren't they
0: yeah i didn't think actually yeah he'd have done that after he'd murdered caroline wouldn't he um as part yeah. of staging this this burglary yeah um yeah it's just a difficult one. So on June the 17th 2021 Babbis was officially charged with the murder of his wife Caroline Crouch. The news of Babbis's confession sent waves of shock and disbelief around the world. So many people have been conned by his deceit obviously not us and the shock soon turned to outrage. Via the media the police provided the public with further details given by Babbis himself through a detailed confession of exactly what had occurred in the house that night. After weeks of relentless fighting, the tension between the couple had reached boiling point when they exchanged harsh insults via text message from different rooms of the house. And you know the relationship's fucked when that's happening, mm-hmm. don't you? Showing premeditation. So this is interesting. Babis then removed all of the memory cards from the CCTV cameras, rendering them inoperable. And after a fierce face to face confrontation, Caroline told Babis that she had found an apartment for herself and Lydia and that their marriage was over for good. And then this really is where Babbis snapped. So although there was some premeditation, he'd removed um, the cameras, the, the memory cards from the cameras. I still, I'm not sure that he intended to. Commit murder. Um, I don't he know. I, just, I, think-
1: I think he probably just didn't want it caught on camera knowing he was likely to use his fists on his wife, maybe yeah, because that so. happened in the past and he's yeah. aware that that could he you know, she's he's almost lost her at this point. He knows he's clutching on both thread. He you know, she hasn't told him that she's leaving, but they're having these arguments and he she's standing up to him. And he probably thinks to himself, well, if I get rid of any, I'll make sure I'm not on video. She, you know, he in his head, he's thinking she needs me to stop her. And this is how I have to stop her. Obviously, any normal person would know you don't do that. But in his head, he's probably thinking she's going to need me to teach her a lesson. And I don't want that on camera. And But I agree with you. I don't think that at this point he planned to murder her. Otherwise, he wouldn't have reacted and... Staged the crime so badly. No,
0: it sounded so panicked. It sounded so uh, not enough foresight into how he would cover this up. And I I think at this point, in the early hours of that morning or that night, uh, he didn't really know what he was capable of. And I think he could see that this marriage was heading for the divorce courts and he didn't want Caroline to have custody of Lydia and to have ammunition that would show him Mm -hmm. as a bad father. So. Um we might be wrong, it could have been totally premeditated. Um so anyway, uh Caroline and Babis have this argument. She tells him she has found an apartment for her and Lydia and that the marriage is over. And of course Babis snapped at this point, so he smothered Caroline to death with a pillow. And this was a Bob Barrick act, which actually took um in total eleven minutes from the time he began smothering her to her actually dying, because They could see the heart stopping beating at 4.12 and um, the heart rate spiked at 4.01. So there was 11 minutes. This death was not quick and it wasn't merciful. After the killing, Babis spent significant time working hard and fast to make uh, his home replicate a crime scene, as we said. And he then hid that large amount of money to make it appear as though it had been taken. And again, do you really not think the police are going to forensically go through your home and find that? Um, to reinforce the narrative that the robbers had been ruthlessly cruel and violent, obviously, babis took their seven-month-old puppy and drowned him in the bath before lynching his dead body from the stair banister. And then, yeah, he left their distressed 11-month-old daughter crying uncontrollably next to the corpse of her dead mother, um, and then spent significant t- time trying to tie himself to a chair to make it look convincing. But of course what Babis clearly hadn't considered was that staging a crime scene in the way that he did wasn't exactly a very slick move. On the contrary, it's one of the oldest tricks in the book and any detective worth his or her salt would be able to immediately spot the signs of a faked crime scene compared to a genuine one. And that applies especially to Babis being supposedly bound and gagged by his assailants. Babis was a rich man who appeared to have it all. He had wealth, looks and status, but he was seriously lacking in foresight and clearly hadn't listened to as many true crime podcasts as you guys. Because, of course, yeah, he overlooked so many obvious factors Mm -hmm. that it really was only a matter of time before the lights were turned on and pointed at him. Um, You know, I I think there's just so many mistakes here, aren't there?
1: There are. I think it does show that, This wasn't premeditated, which is something, um, but not that that validates his behaviour or redeems him in any way, shape or form. It just kind of proves at least it wasn't premeditated.
0: Yeah, it does, it totally points out. I mean, this was a, he was awful to Caroline. It was a terrible relationship. She was being so cruelly treated and desperate to get out of the marriage and so brave of her to have found an apartment and to confront Babis. But, um, but yeah, you know, it was would have been a terrible marriage, but I, I, I don't think even she could have foreseen that it could end in, in her murder. I, I don't actually think she thought she was in as much danger as she was. And I don't think, as I said, Babis thought he was capable of doing this. Almost exactly a year after the killing had taken place, in May this year, so this is literally three weeks ago, Babis appeared in court and pleaded guilty to all charges against him. Through his defence team, he pleaded for leniency by insisting that he simply lost control after being provoked by Caroline's what he called abusive behaviour towards him and towards Lydia. I fail to believe that this approach caused nothing but outrage and controversy especially amongst caroline's family members in the courtroom and no one bought it we don't buy it so it did little to garner any sympathy amongst the jurors Um, his closing words to the court were i hope all of those who have been hurt all of those who have lost will someday forgive me i hope that god will forgive me because i will never forgive myself on the sixteenth of May this year, after being found guilty of premeditated murder, so he was found guilty of premeditated murder, animal abuse, perverting the course of justice, and lying to the authorities. Thirty-four-year-old Babius was sentenced to a minimum of twenty-seven years in jail. Well,
1: I suppose it is premeditated in that at that moment in time, you've got your hands around her throat, or you've got a pillow. You can stop, and you chose to continue, and this was eleven minutes, and it wasn't prompted by an attack so you didn't re- re- retaliate or anything like that yes you didn't no. walk into that room that day deciding to do it but you didn't also stop or anything and you have been violent and abusive so yeah I, I get that
0: i think there were probably uh multiple points it was probably argued in court multiple times in the early hours of that morning during this whole thing that he could have stopped himself from going all the way even during uh the the suffocation of caroline that pillow was lightly over her face for at least six minutes, if not longer. Um, I know it took 11 minutes for her to die, but he he probably spent six minutes suffocating her and, um, and then, you know, another five minutes for her to actually die. It's just horrible. Um, so this this is a, a kind of a nice-ish part to end on, really. Um, so it's been reported that the families of both Caroline and Babis are currently maintaining a cordial and supportive relationship with one another and are working together to decide uh, what will be the best move forward for baby Lydia. So- oh, that's
1: beautiful because even his family, and then they're, they're not going to be, they're going to be against him as well. You know, obviously, Caroline's family have had their daughter taken, but Babis's family have had this horrific thing happen to them. They're also victims. So for everyone to just work together with a united cause and looking after this baby that is going to need so much support and love to be able to become a successful child and a successful adult without this trauma at their core, wow.
0: It's so normal for the, uh, the killer's family in this kind of uh, situation. Cause unfortunately, this happens all the time. Uh, quite often the child would go into the care of the victim's family. And sometimes the killer's family then don't have anything to do with that child, which is really sad because they've had nothing to do with yeah, the murder. Yeah. They've lost their, so, they then lost their granddaughter,
1: yeah. but actually, no, they can yeah. be a part of her life still. Oh, that is a nice way to end that, Mark
0: it's the only way the only bit of uh you know good not good to come out of this but it's the only positive that that is in this whole sad story so um yeah really tough listen i'm sure because an 11 month old child is involved and horrific cruelty to that dog as well Mm. um so apologies, it's a toughie, but we have to cover them sometimes. And I really wanted to cover this case. So thank you for listening. Uh, as we said at the top of the episode, if you want to support us on Patreon, it makes a huge difference to us and to the show. And we reward your support with lots of bonus content over there. You can binge all of it. Um, and then we continue to release uh, bonus content, you know, all the time. So if you want to sign up, if you're able to, I know it's not that easy right now, but it's patreon.com seeingredpodcast And we will see you next week. Uh, and it will be, as Bethan said, a recording of the live show that we're doing at CrimeCon. So um, it'll be a little bit different, uh, but we're really looking forward to it. So uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that yeah, one. And it's we'll exciting. Uh, see you next week. We'll see you then. Bye. See you then,
1: guys. Bye.